Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Matt and Rosie Parrish, the couple behind the family-friendly card game, Bots Up. They work in graphic design in the video game industry, but this is their first tabletop project together. Bots Up hit Kickstarter on September 15th and has passed 460% funded with two days remaining of their campaign. Matt, welcome to the binge. I know we don't have Rosie with us today. She might pop in uh, partway through. She's away on an assignment, I think you're saying, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me, James. Yeah, um, just just me at the moment, just one parish for now. But uh, yeah, she might <laughs> pop up at some point as possible, but uh, we'll see. Oh, that'd be awesome. So I think I would uh, be remiss to say uh, this is a very cool background you have behind you. For those who are listening and can't see, you got this, uh, is it an ice dragon or something that's kind of uh, over your shoulder there? Yeah, we've got a we've got a, a, a giant dragon boss. So I, I say, you mentioned in the intro, I work in the video games industry. So yeah. I work on a game called RuneScape. And, uh, and this, is a, this is a dragon from that game, which is an animation I did. So yeah, I use this Zoom profile for work as well. So um, yeah, so I, I, keep, I keep my dragon animation on. Oh, sweet. So let me just start by saying uh, congratulations on this game. Um, Bots Up is when I was like most people who love board games and are, you know, Kickstarter backers, you know, you like to kind of just peruse what's kind of coming up from time to time. And as soon as I saw this game, uh, I was in, I love robots. People know my, my game company is called Tin Robot Games. And uh, I was hooked. As soon as I saw this, the design was so fun. The game looked uh, simplistic enough that I could probably play this with uh, a younger crowd if I wanted to, um, but still could have uh, quite the hoot even with uh, with adults. So um, well done on on the design on this. And I, my last check, I think I was backer 566. I backed you uh, this morning. Um, happily to do that, by the way. Again, I can't wait to get my hands on this game. Um, your, your target was, I think 3,500 pounds, uh, British pounds, uh, you're around 16,000 plus is what you've hit so far for our Canadian listeners and our U S listeners who want to do the math. That's about, uh, just, just shy of $28,000 Canadian on a target of, uh, just under 6,000. So, uh, way to go. Uh, that, that is incredible, especially for your first game. You guys must be quite proud. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you very much. And yeah, we are, we are proud. We're kind of buzzing it's been a hell of an experience really uh, we didn't know what to expect going in but yeah it's yeah we're, we're blown away really happy really happy yeah and i was just saying to you uh, before we got on air here that if there's anybody uh that is looking to do a game on kickstarter uh just do me a favor look up the bots up kickstarter page and copy it <laughs> copy it at least copy the format like it is very very well laid out you know, obviously the video, my screen's went blank here at the top. What I love about your video is it jumps into what the game is about right away. And I see this sometimes with some videos where it's more about the story and then you got to kind of sit through a minute and a half and sometimes a browser will let you skip, sometimes it won't, before you get to actually what the game is about. And what you guys have done is you jump, like within seconds, you jump right into 
this is what this game is about in the video, which is what I think your video has to be. It has to be fun, has to be themed, obviously, uh, to your game, to the story. But people have very, very short attention spans. And, you know, within the first 30 seconds, they're jumping out if they're not hooked. So bravo on that. And then for those who don't watch videos, which happens quite a bit too, where people are just kind of passively scrolling, maybe they're at the office and they're working or, you know, they don't want the sound on they might just scroll past and see kind of what the game is about. And again, you guys do that very, very well. Lots of pictures. Um, you have these animated gifts, which explain how the cards get put together to make the robot. Um, it's just, just a well, well put together page. So I know I'm kind of going on and on about this, but I when like I see it. quality like that, I, I gotta, I gotta acknowledge it because there's, I know, I know there's a lot of people listen to this podcast that are probably working on their own Kickstarter pages and, um, you know, it, as part of that research process, you're always trying to find out what it is that, uh, you know, it needs to be hooked for your game or how best do you, you know, structure your page. It's not a ton of resources out there. So if you can find one that's very cleanly laid out, um, you know, why not copy it? So I'm going to stop talking. And I'll let you kind of comment. <laughs> Congrats! No, thank you. I, mean, I, I could I could listen I could listen to you hit praise on my page all day. That's that's great for me. Um, no, that's that's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, to uh, to speak to many of those points. Um, you know, it was uh, I can say I guess we're we're lucky in some respects that um, you know this is mine and Rosie's background. You know, we're we're both graphic designers, so you know, if anything, we it was very, very dear to us to make sure that we were happy with the page. It went through a lot of iterations. Um, and same with the video, which took me quite a long time to put together. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think to the points you made on the video, um, we, we set some rules, like we were very, like we ripped it apart a lot. Like we, we, we said it needed to be two minutes or less. That was kind of like a hard rule and we had to keep skipping bits out that we liked to get there. So yeah. we did a lot of rescripts. Um, I think one of the advantages of, of kind of being able to do the things yourself is that you know you're not paying an artist and then going oh okay i've changed my mind but now that's going to cost a whole load more money to, yeah. to get them to do it differently so obviously we can burn off more time than we can money so we can continually reiterate on some of this stuff but um with the video um it's kind of as you said i've watched a ton of kickstarter videos like a real ton of them and i think yeah my biggest complaint is that some of them looked fantastic but um, there was so much sort of scene setting and thematics that, you know, I, I, I'd gone almost a minute and I still didn't really know what the game was. Yeah. And that was, um, I guess our determination was to get across the point of what this is as quick as possible. Was, yeah. So, I that. so yeah, that, it drives that, me crazy. I, um, I've, uh, and I know there's some of them that are, that are, you know, the theme is really what's selling it, but man, if you can get to that game faster uh, and then jump back to the theme, that's okay. Jump back to the story, but give me kind of the bite size of what it is that uh, to see if I'm even interested in this game. And, you know, I'm guilty of it as well as there's been many of these types of videos where I just, I just, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm in after like 30 seconds, I get frustrated because it won't, sometimes my browser won't let me skip forward mm -hmm. and I just pull the shoot. So um, what would you say would be kind of like a, was there a, a game out there that you thought was maybe best in class that you guys tried to emulate or, you know, in terms of how they approach their Kickstarter? I guess from the beginning, it's probably like a used one a lot, but I'd be lying if I said at the very beginning, I didn't look a lot at Exploding Kittens video and campaign. Yep. Um, 
because it did so well. I know part of that is because of the crowd they had, yeah. and it's kind of like a repeated one. Um, there, there, are, there are a bunch that I looked at, and annoyingly, they don't all spring to mind, but um, I did like the fact with their video, the pacing, and the, I guess the, the color and vibrancy to it, especially yeah. when um, going for a game like ours, which is an all-audience game. Um, I think it's important to keep people entertained along the way in that regard, yeah. like quick cuts, lots of color, that kind of thing. Um, Screams you know, as the that, arms are getting blown off. and Exactly, yeah. Try and bring some kind of humor into it where possible. Keep keep it interesting, um, but keep a narrative going, you know, like not just uh, making it too random, I guess. So yeah. trying try to keep people along. Um, but yeah, I, I, that campaign was done very well, especially like as there probably wasn't too much reference at that point. But, you know, th there are a ton of really well-made um, campaign videos. And I think that's the thing with all design. Like everything's copying to some degree. You know, sure. Not, not really original. The best thing you can do is to go look at what a bunch of other people do really well and work out how that applies to you. Oh, steal shamelessly. If you're trying to build your campaign, there is absolutely nothing wrong with looking at who's done it right and in copying that as best as you can. I mean, obviously you don't copy their game, but their approach I think is important to, um, to, to try to emulate, uh, you know, where there's been success and likewise look at some campaigns that have failed and look at their pages and say, Oh, you know, how's their, you know, you know, what were they missing on their page? I think that's important as well. So absolutely. with, with the two of you being, so the two of your graphic designers, um, mm -hmm. Uh, are you both in the video game industry or is one of you in the video game industry? And That's just me. So I've worked in video games for um, about seven years. Okay. Um, so a decent part of my, yeah, my, my work in life have been in games. Uh, Rosie, Rosie works in slightly different fields. So she works um, more sort of like uh, agency-based design. And she also sure. delves into the marketing as well. So that didn't hurt as well with, uh, with um, planning a game and kind of bringing it through. So she's sort of spearheaded that. But um, yeah, my background's been in computer game, graphic design, um, bit of art direction, things like that. So that honestly has been a very nice backdrop for, for doing this kind of thing. Uh, it also means I've got friends who have jobs like in digital marketing and other things so they can show you around the back end of Facebook ad platforms and stuff like that. So it's, it's there's been useful friends to have with this background for sure. And certainly I think it's important to try to pull from uh, your network as best as you can. And if you don't have a network, right. So you're, you're, you're blessed with the fact that, you know, your background lines up very well with, um, with creating a game um, for those who are maybe getting into the industry or, uh, or, or trying to launch their game and maybe don't have that. That's where it's okay to start reaching out to people online and, and, and try to find some experts uh, online that are already in this industry and, and try to build your network that way. I mean, one thing I would say, and I mean, we say this on almost every single episode, is that this is the one industry where people actively try to help you. Who are your competitors? Right? Yeah. It, there is no competitors, it seems, in this industry. And I completely yeah. match for that statement. Um, in addition to obviously having a, a few useful contacts and stuff just for you know practical advice, we, we reached out to many other first-timers, um, designers who've just gone through their campaigns, ones we liked, um, you know, just saying, hey, and wondered if we could have a chat sometime. Everyone has has been happy to have a chat. Yeah. It's actually, it's kind of humbling and amazing at the same time. But, and, and you know, and same, I'm very happy to talk to people as well if they want, want to get in touch about how this went. But 
it's um it's always it's always really really nice to to speak to other people and what they get through and that's really how you learn everything and to anyone doing it who has kept it all to themselves just go message some people and ask if they can chat for half an hour on zoom or skype or whatever because yeah. um learn a lot yeah you'll be shocked uh i mean i was even shocked even with this podcast the number of people i reached out to uh, rarely have we had anybody say, no, they don't want to talk. Uh, I don't think we, we have, we've had people, we've had difficult reaching. Um, but most people are pretty happy to share their knowledge, which I think is pretty cool. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for that, quite frankly. Um, so where did this game begin? I want to kind of get the, the history of this. How did this, this come about? How, how many years have you been working on this? When did the idea first form? Where did it start? Uh, we have a funny story on this. Um, so it's, uh, it's, Two years almost to the day, so around maybe two years and a little bit uh, that we that we first started putting this together. And um, bizarrely enough, me and Rosie were on our honeymoon, so we got married two years ago. Okay, congrats. Um, and thank you. We'd um, we've been talking about just the loose idea of making a game because we like playing card games together and yep. cards in particular are a strong theme for us. Um, and um, you know, finally, you know, the normal pressures of everyday life had worn off. We were happily in a bar in Greece, you know, sipping cocktails. And then we sort of we got into this idea of the game, and a couple of stored ideas came out of, you know, what we this sort of creature building. And suddenly we were talking about pulling robot parts apart and how it could work. And we literally that night we uh, we went to reception of the hotel bar we were at. We asked them for a stack of notepaper, and we just sort of. You know, for ordering drinks and ripping up little bits of paper and making these little cards, and we were playing our first sort of games like right there on the spot. And kind of the rest of the the honeymoon, bizarrely enough, we kept bringing out like we saved up our little paper cards in our in a little like sandwich bag or something, and we kept adding to it, ripping them apart, adding more. And, uh, people looked at us a little weird, to be honest, because we, <laughs> we were the the couple sitting at our bar table, right, basically just ripping up little bits of paper and, and making a game yeah it was, it was good fun though was did nice you keep fun. that original prototype do you still have it yeah we got we got photos of it. i don't know if we've still got the actual ripped apart paper where we photographed it um we, we then once we got back we uh, we bought blank cards and we spent a while doodling you know like our first edition bot parts and stuff on cards and all that kind of thing um it's probably somewhere in a little box of sort of bots up memorabilia yeah, um, it's probably a pretty naff state because we probably spilled drinks all over anyway. So oh, I'm sure. But yeah, it's out there. We got some photos of it. Our first ever, first ever run. Now, when you were making it that night, um, were you thinking about this? We should do this. Like we should put this on Kickstarter, or when you were making it, were you thinking, let's just make a game just for ourselves? We were really just making a game for ourselves. Like at that point, I think we. Probably it never backed a game on Kickstarter. We've now backed like nearly 40 in that time. So like uh, yeah. we weren't really aware of the board game scene on Kickstarter at that two year ago point. Uh, we came aware of it very quickly after that. Um, but um, we, we were really just making a game that we would find fun um, with just the sort of maybe the out there pipe dream of, hey, what if we could make a game that was you know a real game? But at the time we were just making a game for us. That was, that was kind of what we were doing. That's and then cool. it, it blossomed into more. And then when did the prototype become closer to what you see today? So, I mean, realistically, the game concept was was the concept. There were always bot park cards and there were always sort of battle cards that you do to destroy them. Um, we drew these sort of goofy concepts on cards probably within a couple of months at that point. 
Um, still ripping them apart, chucking away them. Balance was all over the place and things, so we're still playing around with that. Um, but then we we put a little bit more effort into the sketches on the cards, just with Sharpie markers and that. And we got a very close and trusted group of friends to give it a go uh, around that point, probably about around sort of Christmas time that year. So we're talking kind of three months in. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was it was fun enough to to make us go. You know what? Yeah, we'll 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 try and turn this into something. So I'd say it probably took shape even just a few months in, but then we we tested a lot of a lot of times at that point. And I think we took probably most of the first year was spent just testing, playing around, ripping bits apart. And then for the second year, it's been very much like, okay, we're all in now. Now we're making videos and we're, you know, actually doing all the artwork and we're trying to build a following from no one at all and testing on strangers and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's that's where it all sort of uh, kind of took off. And then how did you start building that following? Oh, good question, that one. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult. So we we started on social media with frankly zero people. Um, I think first of all we made a Twitter account. Um, and I think uh, we made a Twitter account and we collected sort of you know tens of followers, I guess, just from you know sure. doing a game um, and just following some other folk. And I think um, I think it was Board Game Goblin on Twitter. So big shout out to them. They were our first person to sort of champion us in any way and, and said, I've been checking out some new board games that I've listened And then they set up a big sort of follow loop thing. And that was quite nice because uh, it meant that we met other people and we probably gained you know, another, maybe double our followers through that Twitter post. That was really great. Um, and then we, we, we realized quickly that we weren't really Twitter people after that, that actually yeah. writing wasn't really our forte. And um, we got kind of into Instagram um, because in Instagram, we could make a themed channel, very visual. We could create artwork and things that could, that could go on the channel and sort of make it look nice. Um, and while I think some people will tell you that Instagram is the worst social media platform for building a following because of its very, very poor link system. So mm -hmm. you, you can't link to stuff. Um, our ethos was it's better to play to our strengths so we, our biggest channel is, is our Instagram, which is coming up to a thousand followers. Wow. Um, which is, you know, we, we, we started the channels in April. So I guess that's six months ago. Um, I would say one bit of advice to people starting out is we waited until we had our like, website designed. Um, we had photos of prototypes and all this stuff when we started our social media channels because I guess we were kind of hesitant to, to think that people would want to see our game unless it looked polished. Yeah. But in practice, people are super interested to see a game in development and um, you're kind of wasting time when you could be interacting with people online if you if you wait too late. Yeah. Um, and then like what we did, we pushed out our launch twice because we felt we weren't ready. So we, wow. we, had, we had two launch dates um, that we picked that we, we changed both of them. Um, so the date that we ended up going with. Um, when was the first launch date? When was that planned? Um, well, our first launch date was uh, the end of May. Um, this was our very naively chosen date in the end. Um, we were exhibiting or supposed to be exhibiting at UK Games Expo. And we thought, what a great idea to launch a Kickstarter on the same weekend as an expo. Um, I would now say that is an absolutely terrible idea. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, 
that was our initial plan with our you know fresh minds just thinking about it um so that was that was our first plan but covid cancelled the event anyway so we, we yeah. cancelled our plans there and and i think we would have not done it anyway because we became increasingly aware of huh we need to do more marketing in this or no one's going to know who we are so um so we 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 pivoted on that one we we then selected a date um in the summer so i think it was the start of august and one of the main reasons we had to move that one was we um well, we wanted to set up as a as a limited company so we could trade mm. under our, our game name. And um, COVID actually slowed things to a point with banks that we, we can get through. So we had to we had to wait in turn. But again, I think I think we, we probably played it about right for us, um, launching in September. Uh, by that point we built kind of enough for social following, we kind of got our word out. Um, and to be honest, apart from anything, you could say, oh, we could have waited until next spring or anything like that. Maybe we would have yep. got more people. We we were burnt out with the process of, of working so hard on, on a launch. Yep. Um, for us, we needed to do it and we did it. So I got Mike fun. Bruner in the, uh, he's in the lobby uh, in the, the chat box here. He's saying, good job willing to push your launch date back twice. He goes, I think a lot of people, himself included, pick a date and feel that they have to launch on the original date they pick. Um, you know, we had Jamie Stegmeyer on this, uh, on this podcast uh, a few weeks back. Uh, I read his book uh, prior to that just to kind of learn a little bit more about his process and my favorite part of his book, uh, there's a chapter when he says you, the only person that is sticking you to your launch date is you. Yeah. There is nothing bad is going to happen if you push your launch date back, but bad can happen if you don't and you're not ready. Right. And uh, I thought that was quite insightful because I think there's this artificial timeline. Sometimes we, we, we create, and then we try, I, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it myself in my first game. I did the exact same thing. You know, I, I probably went a year sooner than I should have because I just didn't have the social um, following built up. And, you know, while I think that it's not the end all and be all, it's still important to have somewhat of an audience before you launch. Right. And, you know, good for you guys. You've built that in, in, um, in Instagram. Now off air, you were saying your, your email list is actually pretty short, which I thought was kind of interesting. So how many emails do you guys have on your list? Uh, yeah. So unorthodox, we, we have less than hundred emails on our list. Like it might yeah, be somewhere, that, somewhere that surprised me. That. Um, as I said, when we spoke about it beforehand as well, um, we certainly, many of the materials we watched online webinars and other things, um, a real focus on on email address collection and i mean i have a little bit of experience with email marketing just because of what do it for a job as well so i know that there are multiple avenues other than emails but um you know we've really felt the pressure of you need to build an email list because it's what everyone was saying mm -hmm. and you know i can i can obviously understand why that would be a big thing but the same people saying you need to build an email list were also saying that um, you know, you can expect 5% of your email address to become a converted backer. So I was also thinking, well, well if I do the maths, if I, we could spend sort of hundreds of pounds on ad revenue to try and get people to go to our landing page and sign up with an email so that we yep. can then in turn email them again, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, that's for, for someone of our size, that's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of outlay for, you know, probably difficult um to, to know if it's gonna kind of yield any return um so for us uh we found that collecting email addresses was something that was too difficult to do you know it's um i i find it if someone asks me for my email address online i'm naturally skeptical i don't like sure. it's that easy 
Yeah. Um, you know, your initial fears are I'm going to receive a barrage of emails from them. Um, so, uh, so we sort of, um, you know, we, we do have a, an email subscriber list on the landing page. We do email them updates and things, but it, it wasn't, um, this kind of huge drive. And I think one of the ways where you can collect an email address is if you have live expos, expeditions, you meet people, you can offer like, you know, sign up, you know, sign up with your email, here's a nice bit of merch, like you yeah. remember us, that kind of thing. I think we just had so little we could offer anyone in exchange for an email address. It was so difficult to pose value to anyone. Yeah. Um, for us, we, we focused on things that we felt we could pose value. And I think on Instagram, I think we posted every single day, something oh. for, for six months straight. Um, you know, whether it's a, a, a joke, like a funny picture of a bot, like, you know, some, something in our artwork, uh, we felt like we could offer someone something for a follow, like, you know, at least something interesting to pop up. And that, seem to work for us so yeah so if you get you've got a lot of backers so 564 is, is pretty respectable which which um audience channel do you think is driven most of that where, where do you think most of that's come from do you have any stats on where these people are coming from or how they're finding you or yeah i've got the the back end stats um uh we've got we've got a big mixture really so um mm. you know we, we got a big nice influx of people on our launch day people that had followed our social media for a while, you know, came in when we launched and, and, and came in. So we had a lot through from, from our social media followings on Facebook and Instagram. I think we have about 350 Facebook followers as well. Um, you know, we, we certainly got a fair share like uh, from our, our own networks, people we knew as well. Mm-hmm. But um, we've actually, we've got a lot of, um, we've got a lot of backers from the Kickstarter platform. So it's not that everyone kind of comes from somewhere. You know, we've done a little bit of Facebook advertising, but really like looking at the stats um you know just just over half of our pledges have come from people who found us through kickstarter wow congratulations Uh, thank you um and i I, you know as a first timer it's hard to know what's exactly typical and what isn't but um you know to some extent um I'd, i'd like to think that by making our page look appealing and setting it out right it managed to sort of find some people and we were delighted and fortunate in many ways we got a, a kickstarter project we love badge which i yeah certainly know helps with discoverability so that was obviously really you know lucky for us as well that's cool now you've chosen to manufacture this in the uk as opposed to china um you know what was some of the thought process going behind that how much of a premium do you have you ended up having to pay as a result of doing it local like what, what does that math look like uh, so this is definitely one of the decisions when we were when we were talking to people for advice that we've gone against the grain of. So, you know, yeah. we've talked we've talked to many people. Um, uh, people generally, it's the done thing. You you know, you get it manufactured in China. Um, we did speak to one first-time creator from the UK who also went through UK manufacturing, uh, and we're going through the same manufacturer that she did. So yep. we got our tip from her. Um, in terms of the premium that we're paying. Um, I'm trying to think like in terms of exact stats, but um, the quotes we got from China were not so outrageously good that I thought, oh, we have to go with this. And I think in terms of the unit price itself, we're probably looking at about double the cost of the unit price for going in the UK. Wow. Um, but at the same time, we save a lot of money on overheads when you cut out of that. Um, yeah. Being realistic, we're, we're likely to get a thousand run for our first run, maybe a little over depending on late pledges and things, but mm-hmm. we're not looking at the highest print run in the world. 
And when we were looking at those costs in China, we also had to offset, you know, maybe $2,000 or something for, you know, getting them shipped from our, you know, our factory in China to somewhere else. Yep. Um, which obviously, you know, that adds on to the unit price. Um, for us, we liked the reliability of going in the UK because of the fact that the place is two hours from where we live. I can drive up there and look at it on the press. <laughs> That's awful. Um, that felt reassuring for a first time yeah. campaign. It felt we had a bit more control. Um, there were some other benefits to us as well is that we've got uh, the infamous Brexit going on where the UK are leaving the yeah. EU. Um, and this would actually allow us hopefully to get all of our uh, games posted before um, rules kick in in January. So yeah. another advantage to us was, was doing that and this sped, sped up the process. And I guess a backer advantage as well, which was kind of cool for us, was that everyone gets their stuff quicker because yeah, we manufacture in the UK. There's no, um, there's no wait for everyone to yeah. put a long process of getting shipped over. So for us, it felt right. Um, it meant that if we ended up with a small scale campaign, we could do that easier here. Like, you know, we could do the lower quantities a little bit easier. Yep. Um, so I guess for us, it felt right. I wouldn't say for everyone, oh yeah, just hundred percent do it. But, um, I think when we added it all up, plus the advantage of supporting kind of a local manufacturer as well, um, you know, it just, it, it felt right to us and sort of made us a bit more reassured. Just apart from anything, the process is a little complex for a, for a new yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and, and so where are you guys going from here? Like, do you have another game in the works or is there an expansion of this or are you just focused on this for now or kind of where are you guys, uh, what's next on the horizon? We're, we're quite level. So we're, we're very focused on this. We still feel like we have a lot to do to, uh, you know, to make sure everything is in line. Um, but if we, you know, for fulfilling all our promises on this campaign, getting the manufacture done. Um, we do have an expansion set in the Kickstarter, so you can get the expansion yep. Uh, we think it's a lot of fun um, uh, as part of the Kickstarter. Um, I've got like, you know, game ideas worrying and, and I think I, I spoke to this about before, so I, I'm really keen to um, to build a little video series of creating a first time Kickstarter. Yeah. Showing our stats in full, like, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, That'd be everything awesome. from, you know, what the back end of Kickstarter looks like to how many, um, how many backers cancelled during a campaign, things to, yep. things you wouldn't think of, all this kind of stuff. So I'm quite keen to to make that series as well. Um, maybe make a, a sort of smart looking infographic about all of our campaign stats and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, in terms of what's next, we are hyper-focused on delivering bots up uh, to the right quality, to the right people in the right time. And at the same time, we're, we're mainly focused on how can we document this experience and maybe that'll be useful for some people. I definitely think that'd be useful for a lot of people. Um, that's one of the the things I think on your first campaign um, is how much you don't know what you don't know. And there there's, it's a bit quirky uh, Kickstarter where it, you're not, you can't even see some of the interfaces until you've actually launched your campaign, which is a bit crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I look forward to that. So how do people find you? So if they want to, you still got 48 hours ago or just over 48 hours. So if people want to back, I back this game today. Uh, I can't wait to get a copy of it. If there's anybody else out there that wants to back it, they go to Kickstarter and they type in literally just bots up and they'll find, uh, they'll find the campaign. Yeah. And yeah, then if they, what's that? Yeah, sorry. I said, that'll get you there. Sorry. My dogs might be barking. That's all right. 
that'll get you there. And then uh, for your website, the website is thebotsupgame.com is how they can yeah, follow along. Botsupgame.com, www.botsupgame.com. And on there, you can subscribe to our, you know, our, our much advertised mailing list. Like <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll hit that hundred mark. Yeah. Um, or on there, just, you know, generally go about the game and you can uh, keep in touch with us that way. Um, and if you are a game creator and want to just chat, like you can do that. You can message us via the Kickstarter campaign or our email addresses on the website as well. So that's super cool. And uh, I know as a member of the community, um, you know, it, it's great to see uh, developers like yourself willing to share their knowledge and, uh, and give tips to other people. And quite frankly, just keeping yourself open to others, I think is, is awesome. So thanks so much for coming on this podcast. Uh, sorry, we couldn't uh, see Rosie today or hear from her, but uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up in, uh, in half a year or so when we get her on the podcast and we can kind of do a post game, maybe even on uh, how this all went. And uh, yeah, you can see all the ways Rosie disagreed with everything I've said. <laughs> exactly. So it's the opposite. Awesome. Well, all the best to you guys and uh, take care. Cheers. Thanks very much. Ciao. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.